We've often said on this program we talk about Everton too much. They seem to always come up, but the motto for the show today is Everton as while we can, let's say. While they fall under the show's remit, while they are still a Premier League side, we will devote as many minutes of on-air time as we can. I nearly said demote, and I think that was a Freudian slip because Frank Lampard's men are going down the tubes, a brave supporter wearing his heart on his sleeve and his colours on his chest. Oscar Rutherford, welcome back to the EPL show. Thanks, Josh. No, I'm glad, I'm glad you did that intro because I wouldn't have give, done it justice in that way. I wouldn't have built it up quite <laughs> like that because it's a bit more depressing from my end. But, you know, here we are. As you say, wear it whilst, whilst you can. This this will appear a bit more inappropriate next season. So, figured. I, I was about to go. I was about to go down the route of making a reference to this to a song by Dido, but I think that's actually too old for you to understand. No, of Dido. I know no angel. There's a song. Okay. From Dido. Well, she has a line. I will go down with this ship, and it looks like ah. that's exactly what you're doing. Because you've distanced yourself from Everton uh, <laughs> on this program. You, you've, you've tried to create some separation. You tried to manage the PR disaster of joining FNR as an Everton fan mm. this season. Mm. But now, proudly displayed if you're watching the stream. Oh, yeah, but no, no. You should big up your Everton thing so you can contrast with Nick Hughes, who isn't even here anymore, no. Josh. Well, so, he's, you know, he's, he's too busy enjoying life at Western United, yeah. bound for the Premier's play. But uh, how are you feeling after watching... What was less a game at Anfield and more of like an ideological mission statement by Frank Lampard. He was thinking back to his playing days, I think, thinking back to the famous results that he might have got away at Anfield against Mm. Liverpool. And perhaps it was that fateful day that they robbed Liverpool of the Premier League title under Jose Mourinho uh, when... Steven Gerrard slipped over and Denver Bar raced her on goal. Frank Lampard, age 35, was, was playing in central midfield then. He thought that's, that's the formula for success. We won't participate in this match. We're going to start the time wasting mm. at the 20-minute mark. I think Jose Mourinho would have looked at that game and gone, what are you doing to the beautiful game? That's what he would have said. <laughs> Jose Mourinho would, would be disgusted by what... what Even Jose did, but, yeah, would have did. turned up his nose at such... Such football terrorism. Would have got, I've got better things to do than watch this. It's not just about winning. There's, there's, there's an art form to this game which has been neglected in its entirety. Yeah, that's right. Um, look, the first hour, from an Everton perspective, the first hour was actually kind of, I was fine. It was good. It was, it was, I was happy. And there's, I, I think that you, one You has, and nobody else. No one watching that game no, was happy. I agree. I agree. That, that that was a very specific experience of Everton supporters up to that point of, of accepting the fact that the only way that Everton were ever going to get anything out of that game was by doing something akin to what Frank Lampard set up to do. And to be fair, it quite nearly worked, kind of, almost. I'd say in the second half, Everton created a couple of really good chances and, you know, Anthony Gordon and... Um, Richarlison and the like had some opportunities which went begging. So I, I, I think it was the right thing to do. I mean, you could argue it doesn't take a genius to work that out. Um, I thought we've made fun of Frank Lampard and the way he... Oh, and we'll continue to. And will continue to for the messages he sends to the media about how he wants his side to win football games by being tougher and stronger and having the having the the bollocks the, the manly equipment yeah that, that's indeed yep and 
the way that like that that approach was reflected at Anfield. That 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 those messages actually have some merit when you're trying to set up and play a way that is completely anti-football. And so I think for that reason, it kind of seemed to make some sense and and almost achieved some kind of outcome. Um, I know Everton as a club are upset about Anthony Gordon not winning the penalty. Um, I, I the, you know, there were some amazing stats coming out of that game at halftime in terms of how long the ball was actually in play. I think Jim, Be- Be- Jim Beglin gave us the stat at the start of the second half. And in the first half, the ball was in play for 28 minutes and 20 seconds, which which is a remarkable effort, I I, I think, to just ruin the game to that degree. I think that... um. On that note, I was amazed that the first half only had three minutes of added time because Jordan Pickford's goal kicks alone took about a minute each, and there were like seven of them. So I'm, I'm, it was a remarkable. I say remarkable. That's probably being too kind. It was a memorable. It was a a distinct half of football. Yes, it happened, and people will remember it for what it was, which was atrocious. Um, you know, it was it was a very distinctive game plan, let's say. And I'm busy rustling up the passing stats on the computer here yeah. for each player, and they make for some quite remarkable reading. Yeah. Do you want to guess how many passes Mason Holgate managed to complete across the 90 minutes? Across the 90 minutes? Uh, seven? Four. Four? Okay. Completed four passes. Four. Alan managed to complete one pass. Mm-hmm. And only attempted five. Mm. That's that's incredible. Like, I think if I played in a Premier League game, I could complete two passes. I, I reckon I could do it. I, you know, that's an incredible commitment to. Well, I was going to say the craft, but he wasn't crafting anything. The thing is, though, it worked. Like, and I know that doesn't say much. Did it? Did it work? But it kind of it did, though. For the first, the first shot Liverpool had on target was the goal that they scored, the opening goal. I don't know how many teams we've seen actually stifle mm. Liverpool. Now, of course, other teams have gone with more intent to win than we saw from Everton. But even teams that are going there to play for a draw haven't been as effective at just completely crapping their way to a nil-nil for an hour as Everton were. And, you know, it kind of the game changed with the substitutions. Of course, Steve Okarigi came on and, of course, he scored because that's what Steve Okarigi does in all games and against Everton and whatever, and that's fine. Um, but up, up to the point of the substitutions, it, it, it worked quite well and Frank Lampard, I think, reflected that in his post-match. He was actually rather complimentary of the players and was happy with how they, they did it was things. complimentary of the game plan as well. I guess he came up with that. Yeah. Well, in, exactly. Yeah. You know, it was really funny when they kept cutting to Jurgen Klopp, who was just clearly furious. Like, he just wasn't... He was biting his lip the whole time. He was just deadpan. He mm. was giving absolutely nothing. He was... He couldn't believe what he was seeing. But, you know, didn't work. Liverpool won. Everton are behind Burnley. Burnley beat Wolves, didn't they? Having beaten Southampton a few days earlier. Um, uh... They Ever- are where they are. Everton are going down. It's, it, I, I don't see how that doesn't happen. I, I know that Everton have a game in hand and, you know, there are a couple of winnable games. There's a game against Watford, I seem to recall. I think that there's a home game against Crystal Palace, which if Everton are going to have any chance of surviving, they're going to need to win near the end. But, like, what, Chelsea on the weekend, Leicester, uh, Arsenal, Brentford, like, 
Maybe I, I, I want to take issue with this because I don't think it's the right game plan to go to Anfield with. I don't, and I don't mean that you should go there and try and Marcelo BLC your way out of trouble. <laughs> you know, I think that's silly as well. I think there is some kind of balance to be struck between being defensive, very resilient and responsible and frustrating Liverpool and sitting behind the ball and abandoning any pretense of attacking whatsoever so that, I mean, they had no outlet. They had nothing. Well, I kind of disagree. I think that there were a few times, particularly in the first 15 minutes of the second half, where Everton did get Was on that when break. Alan completed his single pass? Well, quite possibly. Like, it's... It... <laughs> Things are looking up around then, yeah. Well, but, like, and I, and I mean that, yeah. Like, that, that, that Everton... I, I felt as if scored. I felt as if Everton had no chance of scoring whatsoever, mm. and that meant Liverpool were comf- comfortable bringing Origi on and throwing players forward because they knew that there was no threat behind. They had no seed of doubt in their mind, and that's why I think that's why I go back from the start of the show to the example of the Liverpool Chelsea game from all those years ago in 2014, I think it was. Yeah, Brent Rogers' side had not won anything. They had the, I guess, the sort of Damocles hanging over them with this title push and, and, you know, they weren't expected to win anything. Um, And suddenly they were in a position where they had to win that game and they didn't have players who'd been in that situation before who knew how to deal with it. You know, Suarez has been having the season of his life. But if you go back and watch that game, there's incredible urgency to everything they do. Even from the first half, they're desperate. They're desperate and they're panicked. And Steven Gerrard suddenly decided, I need to take this all on my own two shoulders. And he ended up having nine shots from the base of midfield, <laughs> which, you know, uh, he tried to do Rover, Warrior the Rovers impression. So that, that reflected a team that was not mature in its development along the path to actually becoming, you know, a trophy winning side. This Liverpool team is entirely different. They've been in that situation before. They've faced many a team who's tried to kill the game and put everyone behind the ball and and just muck it up, essentially. And... Liverpool's Achilles heel for me over the last few seasons has been the high defensive line and the amount of one-on-one chances that they can concede if you play direct balls in behind. But Everton just didn't have any runners in position for those because they were so deep. Nine so deep. And they weren't taking the chance to counter a lot of the time. You talk about when Pickford makes saves, you know, the... He thought he was being smart and, and funny and it is easy to do it nil-nil in the first half to collapse with the ball in your hands and roll around on the ground and make a big show of the fact that you're, you're blatantly wasting time. Obviously, that comes back to bite him with Allison doing the same routine back at him uh, in the second half when, uh, when Liverpool had finally scored. I, but I just felt as if they, they didn't seize upon their opportunities to counterattack because it wasn't even on their radar to try and sow the seed of doubt in Liverpool's mind and push them back a little bit and prevent Liverpool from the all-out onslaught that it became. It became a matter of inevitability. And I, I, I just think Frank Lampard's game plan is antiquated. And for such a young manager to come into the league with such an antiquated view of how football is played, I think that's the reason why he's failed as a manager at Chelsea and I think he's failed now at, at, at Everton. Nine shots. Everton had nine shots in that game. I think uh, now I accept that some of those would be audacious, unlikely, low percentage shots. But yeah, one on target. Let's not get carried away here. Sure, but you know, Anthony Gordon had that penalty shot. That doesn't come about if you have no attacking intent whatsoever. Richarlison, you know, was buzzing around the box trying to make a nuisance of himself. I mean, the game against Manchester United a few games prior, United had two shots. Now I'm not 
I'm not suggesting that Manchester United at the moment are the pinnacle of what one should aspire to. But I mean to say that what Everton... And I mean, Manchester United played five at the back. They did something different. But Everton did a way better job than a team mm. like Manchester United at making things hard for Liverpool. And I kind of think that Everton created better chances or gotten better positions than Manchester United as well. And if they're the options, then I think that Frank Lampard gave himself the best chance or it gave his side the best chance of getting something from that game. I just object to Lampard coming out in the post-match and saying what they did was smart. Because you can't you can't say that after you've after you've lost in that fashion and after you know I mean it, it really is the Pickford moment that actually grates when you look back at it because he's just he's just wasting time and there's no sense of yeah even a pretense of trying to go up the other end and score in that moment and I just don't think you can afford to do that when you're in Everton's position how much good does a point really do them like. You know, a point would have been great, but I just feel as if you, you have to participate in the game if you're going to have any, any chance. I, I felt as if um, when Brighton went to Liverpool earlier in the season, they had a much more refined game plan, or even Brentford, teams that tried to trouble them by getting the ball in behind into wide areas, by getting players into counter-attacking positions um, you know, straight off the bat, as soon as the goalkeeper gets the ball, it's launched. Um, you know, they've got players running in behind the fullbacks, long diagonals. Like there was a specific attacking game plan around how are we going to trouble Liverpool. And I just didn't feel as if Everton had that because the entire m- mentality going into it was let's frustrate them. And I just don't think that's effective against a, a team that's, you know, they look like they're playing a different sport to Everton right now. Yeah, I, look, I mean, maybe it's something that we just won't come to an agreement on because I, if, Everton, if Everton did anything else, it would have been worse. That's just, that's just all I believe. I don't, I don't... It's a defeatist mentality, Oscar. But, but it's, have you watched Everton this season? I have. It's, 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 but it's true. But it's just, with no belief in the team belief. and your players, with no belief whatsoever, you know, how does that... You're right, how the does shortcoming that is belief in this well, how does, how does How does that make the players feel if they don't feel that they're their manager has any faith in them actually going up the end, other end and, and scoring a goal. They're saying, we're here to frustrate Liverpool. You know, the, the, the Everton have a much better squad than the kinds of teams which usually adopt this sort, of, this sort of mentality in these big games. So, anyway, I guess we're, we're at loggerheads here, so we may as well take a break and uh, <laughs> move on to other topics. But uh, Everton, what's the, the grim picture like for them at the bottom of the table at the moment? Yeah, well, so obviously dropped into the relegation zone at this point, uh, just getting up their remaining matches. So six Premier League matches left, uh, games against Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester, uh, ones that will be tough to get anything from. With that being said, Chelsea and Leicester have rather tired squads who've been playing a lot of games. So, I mean, Everton got a draw with Leicester just a few days ago, actually, now that I think about it. So... They're not lost courses, perhaps? Maybe? Maybe I'm being ridiculous. Mm. Um, and then, as I say, a game away to Watford, which obviously you have to win, and a game at home to Crystal Palace and at home to Brentford, which I would say are kind of also must-wins, to to be cliche, because when you compare that to Burnley, who we will talk more about Burnley uh, later on in the show, but you know they've, they're also playing Watford. But Burnley's 
I, I, I'm changing my mind mid-sentence. They've got five games left. They've got games against Spurs and Newcastle, who are... Newcastle are playing really mm. well. Uh, and then two games against Aston Villa, who are not playing well, but are a better team than Burnley. So, well, so Everton obviously need to win a couple of games to get back ahead of Burnley. But it's... Other than the game against Watford... Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. T- I'm literally changing my mind as You're I flip flopping. Yeah, could they beat Villa? They could beat Villa. Villa aren't playing well. Are Villa going to beat Burnley twice? That doesn't seem. I don't think so. Probably not. Burnley will find a way to get a point. Mm. You know, I, I. I think you're probably right. I think they are going down. Um, will they bounce straight back up and and be a Fulham like yo-yo club? Not sure, but uh, yeah, we'll <laughs> see. Um, I, I do think, the last word on this, last complaint about okay. Frank Lampard, because I have been pushing this agenda for some time now. <laughs> He's the third third youngest manager in the in the competition behind, um, only younger managers are Gerard and Arteta from, from memory. He's come into these jobs with no new ideas. I feel like his, his footballing persona has been poisoned by so many years of playing under Mourinho that he's unable to think of anything outside the mid-2000s paradigm that he's living in. And I, I just don't see what he adds to Everton and what he adds to the league beyond name recognition. I, I'm not here to defend Frank Lampard as a manager, though. I, I'm, I might think that what he did against Liverpool was the right thing. But no, I agree with a large amount of what you've just said. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's done anything mm. particularly good. I know the stats flown around that Lampard's got more points since taking over at Everton than Gerrard's got at Villa in that time period which is funny and weird. Mm. But, you know... Gerrard's also won the Scottish Premiership with Rangers, so he's got a few more runs under his belt. Indeed, and in terms of what's a sustainable long-term approach and building and whatever, like Everton have none of that, and we know that that the... as, As you say, what Lampard's done in his previous jobs as well haven't exactly given the indication that he will take this and build on it and grow in a way that we can perhaps expect more from Steven Gerrard. So I, I'm, I'm, I don't... And when I don't he inevitably need... gets the sack at Everton, you know, where does he go from here? Who's going to employ him? Indeed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Back I, to the championship, if anything. I can't, I'd be amazed if another Premier League club went to Frank Lampard after this. Well, I, cause, But even if he, keeps, if he keeps Everton up, I don't want him at the club. Mm. Like, I, 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 you want him sacked either way. He's on a hiding to nothing with the supporters now. It's, it's indeed... Sam Allardyce, sorry. Like, it's it's the same kind of idea. It's mm. not really about... It, it's it's a club like Everton is does not spend the amount of money that it does to have people who will stagnate and keep the club stable. They're going to want... Bring back David Moyes. They're going to want someone who will... Speaking of cl- keeping the club stable. Yeah, well, and, and that's the epitome of what David Moyes has done, but David Moyes isn't a sufficiently ambitious appointment for what Everton will be wanting to do, and I say that tongue-in-cheek because so much of this is appearance and artificial of what's mm. viewed as a sufficient... And, and you look, I think the thing to remember in all of this is how unfortunate Everton were to lose Ancelotti because, you know, those kinds of circumstances... It's not too often that Everton lose a manager because Real Madrid come calling. Uh, that feels like quite a a niche period of history where that where those series of events have taken place. And you know, not, I'm not. It's easy to look back and have rosy cheeks with what rosy cheeks in rose tinted glasses. Rose coloured glasses. 
I don't know. I guess the people that you're looking at have rosy cheeks due to the color of the glasses that you're wearing. Yeah, yeah rosy cheeks. You, we have rosy cheeks thinking <laughs> about Carlo Ancelotti being mm, the manager. Yeah, we get hot flushes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> No, just his, his little raised eyebrow gets the pulse racing. It does. That's right. Um, and, of course, he had a whole bunch of his own problems and things weren't all good at that time either. But they just, weren't all rosy-cheeked. They were not all rosy-cheeked, but just compared to now, it's, yeah, I... And it, ultimately, Everton deserve what they get. You know, they've made more bad decisions than any other club. There's yep. stat going around about Everton having a higher net spend than Liverpool since 2015 or 2016, yep. which... Goes to show that this institution has been run into the ground by poor ownership. So, at the end of the day, it's not Frank Lampard's fault. He's a result of a uh, poor chain of decision make makers uh, at the club.